Acts chapter 11, we're going to look today in verses 1 through 18 in Acts chapter 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 3, but we're going to be looking in verses 1 through 18 as we go through this message today. As you're turning there in chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, someone once said, have convictions. But be sure your convictions are convictions and not prejudices. You know, the sad thing is that often our convictions are not based upon God's moral code. As a matter of fact, oftentimes our convictions aren't even based on God's word at all. Uh, Too often we find that our convictions are based upon our own prejudices. And we begin to see this here in this passage as we look in these first few verses in, in chapter 11 in verses 1 through 18. We will begin to see that this is true based upon the reaction that the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea had when news came to them that the Gentiles had received the word of the Lord. When we look here in this passage, the Bible says, Now, the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went, to the, you went into uncircumcised men... And ate with them. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we find in your word. And we thank you, God, that your word is an example to us. And your word sheds light on such truth in our own lives. And God, your word helps us to see that there is help for us. Even when we find ourselves away from your will in our lives. We pray, God, that you would... Today, take this message, fix, form, and fashion the broken words of your servant in each and every heart that where our, our lives would magnify your son and would glorify your name. And God, we'll give you praise for what's accomplished. God, if there's one today who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, allow this be, to be a day that your Holy Spirit would sit with them and, and convict them in a, in a manner in which they would call out, what must I do to be saved? For God, we know that you are faithful and you are just. And God, you're willing to forgive them of their sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. And God, as you move upon the lives of each and every one in this place, this day and throughout this week, we're going to give you praise for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Now when we read these first few verses, we begin to... I, I don't know about you, but I began to become a little stumped. I become, uh, I become a little shocked at, at how there was such a response, a negative response from the Jewish Christian leaders in that day. Here they are contending with Peter because Peter went and shared the gospel. 
Now, as we look here in this passage, what we'll find is Peter's just witnessed something fundamentally transforming to the ministry of the gospel. And if we go back to chapter 8 and verse 1, what we'll find is that immediately following the death of Stephen, that persecution arose among the church. And when this persecution arose, all the Christians scattered except the apostles, according to Scripture. According to verse 1, they all scattered except the apostles. Now, right there, I want to share that we have something in common with this scattered church. We have something in common with this, with these apostles at this time. No, we're, the first century church at that time, they became scattered because of persecution. And no, we, we're not facing persecution like the first century church was facing. That's not what we have in common. What we have in common is that in that time, with the believers being scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, they had to find a new way to do church. We've been in this pandemic now since the end of February, first part or middle of March. And for some of our churches, we have had to find new ways to do church. Say amen. Amen. Church doesn't look the way it did back in January of 2020. Church doesn't look the way it did back in February of 2020. One year ago, church looked completely different than it does right now. How do I know? Because I'm the only one in this sanctuary without a mask on. I'm the, uh, before, before the, uh, March, We were sitting shoulder to shoulder. We were actually beginning to have conversations. Do we need to go to two services? We were seeing this place filled up because because the word of God was going out and people were were coming in to to not only hear the, the great singing that goes on through this church, but also just to hear the word of God. And things have drastically changed and we're trying to figure out how do we do this? I remember last November, Brother Ronald had, a, had his anniversary singing and it was done in this building. Last night, he had his anniversary singing and it was done outside. So we're trying to do church, but we're having to do things differently. That's what was going on in that first century church. And so what was taking place is with the apostles being scattered, they were, they were coming up with, or, or the, the believers being scattered, they were meeting different people. We, we could read between chapter 8 and now how Philip uh, met an Ethiopian and he led him to the Lord. And then we come to chapter 10 and we find Peter is in a, has the opportunity for something fundamentally transforming for the church. Now the last time we heard that truly announced. Back in 2008. It ended up being a terrible thing. But I want to tell you this. Is a great thing. This being transformed is a great thing. Because it's so great. That, that now you and I. Have the opportunity to hear the gospel. You and I have the opportunity. To receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Prior to this taking place. You and I may have never had the opportunity. To know Jesus as our Savior. So this was something that was great. That was taking place. 
And what was taking place was that the church needed to expand its view of ministry. Wouldn't you say we've had to expand our view of ministry uh, here in the last several months? Uh, here we are in the 11th month of the year. We haven't been able to do things like we were doing things since the second month of the year. So nine months has went by and we're having to expand our view of ministry. Because if you were to ask two years ago, people would have laughed at you. Having church outside. Well, I thank God that some churches are having church outside. Oh, oh, sitting in a church like this with masks on, we would have laughed about it. But, but I'm so glad that, that we've set protocols in place to where we can come to the house of God, even if we have to wear masks. Who would have ever thought that we'd be checking somebody's temperature before they walk through the door of the church? Oh, we've had to expand our view of ministry. And that's what was taking place here in this passage. The church needed to expand its view of ministry. The apostles and the brethren, in other words, the church in Jerusalem or, or the church in Judea, they heard about Peter preaching to the, to Corn, at Cornelius' home and they, they were told that the Gentiles had received the word of God. Now there's some things here that we, we must recognize. The Bible says that the Jews, those of the circumcision, contended with Peter. What this meant is they stood opposed. To what Peter had done. Peter had shared the word of God with people who were lost. So why? Why would they stand opposed to Peter when all he's done was share Jesus with others? Well, because what Peter done was fundamentally shaking to what the Jewish believers had known and had practiced. Here, Peter, a Jewish man, went to the home of a Gentile, Cornelius, and he stayed and he ate food with uncircumcised men. In other words, he ate food and he spent time with Gentiles. Folks, uh, but this wasn't all that Peter done. Peter also baptized them without first requiring them to become circumcised. There lies the problem. Have you ever met someone who doesn't want you to do well because they didn't do well? Have you ever met someone who, who wants to point their finger at you and say you can't do this and that because they're afraid to do it themselves? Not because God says that you can't do it. But because they're afraid of it, there are people in this world who will refuse to accept biblical teaching because they're afraid somebody's going to get away with sin that they want to commit themselves, but they're too afraid to commit. I, I, I just don't understand that. You know where I'm going with that, don't you? That you know what? I know without a shadow of a doubt I'm saved. I know without a shadow of a doubt heaven's my home. I'm not waiting to find out. I know heaven's my home. I know my name's been recorded in the Lamb's book of life. I know that. Why? Because Jesus and I had an encounter together. And because of the encounter we had, according to his word, I know that I belong to him and he belongs to me. Well, there's some people who are telling me, well, preacher, I'll find out when I die. I'll find out. I, I sure hope I'm going to make it to heaven. Well, I'm not hoping to make it to heaven. I'm as sure to heaven as if I was already there, not because of my goodness not because of what I've done right but because of what God has said in his word 
And there are those who, who are saying, well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if you do this? Well, what if I do? What if I do? From my understanding, my sins have been forgiven. Past, present, and future. Now, will I give an account for my sin? Oh, yes, I will. Will I suffer on earth for my sin? Oh, yes, I will. But I'm not suffering in glory. I'll suffer here on earth for my sin. But here's the truth of the matter. If I've truly been saved and I've truly had an experience with God, I don't want to do anything to bring shame upon him. The sin that I do, I don't want to do. (laughs) What lies within me is a robe of flesh and this flesh I cannot conquer. But I'm so glad there's one in glory that owns my spirit. He holds my spirit. He holds my soul while my flesh my flesh is what it is. And while your flesh is what it is. But that's not what's going to heaven. <laughs> Whether we understand that or not. It's not what's going to heaven. We're going to get a new flesh. <laughs> a new body. This soul, this spirit's going on. But we'll get a new body. One that won't desire sin. One that won't. Seek to do the things that are displeasing and that would bring a reproach upon God. Here, Peter, Peter finds himself in the midst of men who were afraid that, wait a minute, we had to be circumcised. On the eighth day, we had to, we, we, we had to be circumcised. We had to shed flesh. No, if anybody else is going to know Jesus as their Savior, they got to do the same thing. That was the problem that was going on here. They had a very narrow view of ministry. In other words, if you don't see things the way I see it, you with me? If you don't believe things the way I believe it, if you don't do things exactly the way I do it, then you're not good enough for the kingdom. That's basically what was being said here. But I want to tell you, it's not about what I'm, what I think is good enough. It's not about what I do. It's not about what I say. It's not what about what, it's not about what I believe. What it's all about is what the word of God tells us. Here, what we find is these men were opposing Peter simply because these Gentiles were receiving something without going through what the Jews had went through. Now let's keep in mind, all the believers in Jerusalem, if not all, most were Jews. They were circumcised as small children. They, From their childhood, they had been committed to the law of Moses. Not only that, they, they had... It's, they, They had followed and and consented to all the rituals and ceremonies of the Jewish law. And in their minds, Christianity was an extension of what they were already doing. And for someone to accept Christ as their savior, they saw it as if, well, first you got to become a Jew. Once you become a Jew, then you can receive Christ. Now, in this, I've shared with you what it takes to become a Jew. First, you, you must 
for a male, he must be circumcised. Next, he must obey or commit to the law of Moses. And then he must observe all the rituals and ceremonies of the Jewish law. And then, after then, he could be baptized. And after then, he could be accepted in the church. <laughs> well, it, does that not sound like some of our churches today? Don't worry. We've got to go through a laundry list of things before we're good enough to join the church. But Jesus said, if you would believe and confess, you can join the kingdom of God. Now, which would you rather be part of? <laughs> Poduck Church? Would you rather be part of Poduck Baptist Church or Holiness Church or Methodist Church or the kingdom of God? <laughs> You know, what I know about us and the flesh we live in, we're going to want to be a part of whatever it takes the very least to do. <laughs> Say amen. <laughs> yeah. Because we don't want to be too inconvenienced. But Jesus Christ says if we would believe upon him and we would receive him as our Lord and Savior, then we would be his and he would be ours. And that's all that really matters. Churches, regulations, and their rules, I know why they're set up. We have them here. We're set up to, to kind of protect ourselves. But folks, I want you to, I really want you to get that we've got to have a bigger view than just the narrow view that we have because of where we're from and because of who we are. Um, here, Peter Peter had gone rogue upon the first century church. Or has he? Well, Peter found himself, he found himself in a place where someone was seeking to know more about the worship of our Lord and Savior. Cornelius was seeking God and God had heard him. In Acts 10 verses 3 through 4, we remember the Bible says about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision of an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. In other words, God had heard his prayers. God had seen his deeds. And God knew that, that Cornelius was looking to know more about having a relationship with him. So, in, you know, so this man, Cornelius, was seeking God. And God was going to honor him. So in obedience to the Holy Spirit, Peter expanded his view of ministry to go beyond the traditions of men. And he met a man desperate to know God. And Peter, knowing that the only way that this man could truly know God was to have Jesus as his Lord and Savior, Peter went to share the gospel with him. In that particular moment, Peter, he was fulfilling the command of Jesus rather than the traditions of men. Acts 1 and 8 tells us, you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. While they wanted to confine things to the Jewish nation, Jesus had said, you'll be witnesses of me to everyone you come in contact with. You know, when I went to divinity school, 
one of the first things I was told was that they were going to stretch me. Now, I should have really understood that at the time, but I, I didn't. And, you know, 34, I, 35, I should have understood it. But I, I was, I just heard what they said and went on. And, and what I come to find out was that they meant that they were going to make me grow. They were going to expose me to books and lectures that would expand my view of ministry. When I finished at Campbell's Divinity School, my view of ministry was vastly different than what it was before I went into Divinity School. So what's sad is that there were students who went in with me who didn't finish with me because they were opposed to what they were being exposed to. And what they did was they just left. They left and forsook something that could have been beneficial to them. What if Peter, what if Peter would have drew a line in the sand and said, I just refuse to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit? What if he had, would have stood firm on the traditions that had been taught to him rather than trusting what God had in store? What if Peter would, would have, would have chosen to follow his own way of doing things rather than what the Holy Spirit was doing. Well, what would have happened was he would have missed the opportunity to be part of something true and fundamentally life-changing. Listen, folks, we must be careful that we're not harboring narrow-minded views of ministry. What do I mean? I, what I mean is, are we okay with only ministering to people who look like us? Are we okay with only ministering to people who talk like us? Are we okay with ministering to people who only dress like us and live the same lifestyle that we live or do we or are we ready to just share the gospel with whosoever will believe upon Jesus Christ I want to remind us this is not 1950 this is not 1960 it's not 1970 and if you're not aware of this if you don't own all the land around you just keep living if you haven't seen it yet, it's coming. Because if you don't own all the land around you, pretty soon somebody's going to move in who don't know you and don't know your God. And I want to know is, what is our view of ministry? Are we expanding it so far that we're not going to look at this, this foreigner and say, I can't share the word of God with you because you come from a different country or you come from a different state or you dress differently or you've got tattoos from head to toe or you've got earrings in every part of your body. I want to let you know there's nobody who doesn't need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to look beyond the ministry of the church and look to the ministry of the kingdom. When we look to the ministry of the kingdom, we find that it's going to look vastly different than what traditional ministry of church looks like now how do we do that though? preacher that's not an easy thing to do I, I know it's not to expand our view of ministry to where we're kingdom focused rather than church focused what we have to do is we have to examine God's will for the ministry that, that's how we do it. We just examine God's will for ministry. In examining our view of ministry, it has to be examined by the will of God. And, and for most, uh, the only way this is going to take place is it's got to be based upon the word of God. So here Peter is. Peter is being contended with. Peter's being confronted. 
So what does he do? He shares the word of God. He doesn't share his own view. He doesn't share what he thinks that he should have done. He shares the word of God. As a matter of fact, if we look in verses 5 through 17, we see exactly what Peter does. He tells the same story that we've talked about over the last three services. Uh, we, he, tell, he tells about how he was in a trance. and he In verse 5, how he was in a trance and he saw a vision uh, of an object descending from heaven to him. In verses 7 through 9, he tells how he heard the voice of the Lord giving instruction. And not only that, in verse 10, he tells us that he heard it three different times. In verse 11, he tells us that as, as soon as the third time had taken place, he, he heard the knock on the door and it was Cornelius' servants who came. He, he, so he's letting us know that God is in the midst of this. This is God handling this. This isn't something that he dreamed up, but it was something God was doing. In verse 12, Peter says that the Holy Spirit instructed him to go down to Caesarea and he took witnesses with him. That was a smart move. Because in verse 13, when he gets to Cornelius' house, Cornelius begins to share the dream that he had and how the angel had spoke to him. In verse 15, while Peter was sharing the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell upon the Gentiles. Listen, it wasn't when Peter finished sharing the gospel. It was while he was sharing the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell upon those Gentiles. And Peter remembered in verse 16, what does it say? John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Peter remembered that and when he remembered that, he understood that God was in the midst of everything that was taking place. And in verse 17, simply put, the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit the exact same way the Jews received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Remember last time I told you this was a Gentile Pentecost that took place. We're here if we're going to expand our view of ministry, we can only do this by laying aside our view. We seek the word of God and find out what his will for ministry is. When I came to Reedy Branch, there were preachers telling me that I needed to cast the vision for the church. I was told that the church needed to know my vision for the church. That was the worst advice I could have ever gotten. Now, some of you may be sitting there a little dazed right now, but that was the worst thing someone could have told me. I wasted a long time because in 2018 and 19, we went through a book study and Bible study. And if you weren't here, you missed it. This book, this book is, is called Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. And in this book, I gained the truth that I wished I'd have got back in 2005. And that truth is this, Henry Blackaby shared, instead of us casting a vision for the church, we are to seek what God is already doing in the church and Join what God is doing. That's what you do. It's not that I cast my vision doesn't matter. I know the Bible says without a vision we shall perish. But you know what that vision should be? Whatever God is doing, get on board. Join him. And whatever he calls you to do, do it. We're to seek what God is doing. My vision for ministry doesn't really matter. What matters is God's will for the ministry of the church. And we can only find this through the scriptures. We can take God's word. We can spend time reading and studying and we'll come to know his will. Second Peter 3 and 9, he shares, he begins to share his will. 
He tells us he's not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he's long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. But his will is that all should come to repentance. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, his will is that we would go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing those in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. When someone comes up to you and they ask you, why are you going out to another country or you're going out to another state when there's things around here to do, just remind them what God's left you here to do. You do the things that need to be done around here while I go to this other state because God's commanded it's his will for us to expand beyond what we can see in front of us it's not just local but it's national and it's global and I'm so glad we're part of an association listen if you didn't know this we're not just a local association where we got churches around Robinson County Hope County Scotland County Columbus County uh, Sampson County but we've got we got churches in South Carolina that's another state you know that don't you yeah we got a church in Baltimore Maryland we We've got a church in New Mexico and we've got global churches in the Philippines. We've got several churches that are part of our association. I'm so glad that we got that we can have a greater view of ministry than what than what we really initially think. I've shared this several times, I'm sure, but we see church by what we are exposed to and when we're exposed to a local congregation of 200 100 300 whatever it may be it's hard to fathom being in a church of 10,000 and it's experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit of God in that place <laughs> they do things a little different <laughs> the, things are in order you don't stand up and interrupt service to testify you testify to the person sitting next to you <laughs> they do things a little bit but the power of God he reigns in those you know we've got to expand our view of ministry and we do it by laying ministry beside the word of God and when we follow the word of God we'll find We'll find that God wants us to do justly. He wants us to love mercy. He wants us to walk humbly before him. We'll find Mark 16 and 15. He tells us that we are to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And if we're going to examine God's will for ministry in our church, we've got to stop asking the question, what's God's will for our church? And start asking the question, what's God's will? And join him in whatever it is that's his will. That's exactly what Peter done. He spoke. God spoke his will to Peter. Peter joined God in spite of the traditions of men. And Peter wasn't focused on the mo- in the moment on ministry of the Jews. He wasn't focused in the moment on the ministry of the church. Instead, he was focused on the kingdom of God. Lost souls needed to hear the gospel. So, folks, we must. We must. Expand our view of ministry, and we do this by examining God's will. And the last thing I want you to see there in verse 18 is that with conviction, the church must execute God's will. Peter emphasizes by saying, if therefore, 
look there in verse 17. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand him? Peter was able to ask the question with conviction because he was a witness of how the Holy Spirit fell upon the Gentiles. But not only was he a witness, but also the six brethren that went with him were witnesses. You know, I said earlier, that was important. That was wise. Peter come back and it wasn't just his word. But there were six others that had the same testimony. So Peter was convinced of two things. First, he was convinced that he could not withstand God. In other words, he could not stand against what God was doing. The Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit had nothing to do with Peter. God can pour his spirit upon whom he chooses to pour his spirit. And if we think so highly of ourselves to think that someone else doesn't deserve to hear the gospel, then we're, in ter we're terribly in trouble. Mark 9 and 20, 42, Mark 9 and 42 says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. You know, the only person in my mind that doesn't deserve God's grace is me. In my mind, I'm the only, I, I don't deserve God's grace. And when we look at others, we need to first look at ourselves and see how gracious God has been to us and execute God's will and share the gospel with that person who's lost. Peter was also convinced that he was executing God's will. When we follow the word of God, we can know that we are in his will. But the only way that we're going to follow his word is that we spend time in his word. Me, you, nor anyone else can know God's will without seeking God's word. Through Peter's encounter to Jews in Judah or Judea. They realized that they were need, they needed to expand their view of ministry. And this could surely be done by examining and executing God's will. They glorified God, praising him for extending forgiveness to the Gentiles. There was something piercing about Peter's statement. When, when Peter said, if God poured his spirit upon them... The same way he poured his spirit upon us, how can I withstand him? Peter was saying, open your eyes, guys. We're no better than they are. <laughs> we're flesh and blood. Without Jesus, we're on our way to a demon's hell. We need his forgiveness, and so do they. And as of congregation of believers as a body of Christ I want us to begin practicing just looking at people that way just as I need God's grace so does this person 
no matter the color of their skin, no matter the educational background that they have, no matter what family line they come from, no matter that they carry themselves different than we do. Doesn't matter how good we were before Jesus saved us, we were only fit for hell. I heard preacher Mike, I don't know anything sinful about the man's life. He started preaching and pastoring at 19 years of age. But he'll tell you, I was only fit for hell until Jesus saved me. Unsaved, God is extending forgiveness to you today. But it doesn't come on your terms. You can't know God nor his will for your life without first you seeking Jesus Christ. God's word. The word made flesh. Today is a day to seek him. While he may be found. He came to this world for you. He died on an old rugged cross for your sins. He arose from the grave on the third day for your victory. And he's coming back for you. But will you be ready? You must receive him as your Lord and Savior. In order for him to receive you. He's calling would you come as the church is praying right now as we begin this song of invitation are you ready for Jesus to come are you ready for Jesus to step out of the clouds and call his church home. According to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You've sat under the preached word of God. And you've heard God's truth. If Jesus comes today. And you're not ready. You'll have no chance to make heaven your home. I know what's going through your mind. Preacher, you can, we'll be able to get saved during the tribulation time. The Bible is very clear. God will send a deluding spirit. So that you would believe a lie rather than the truth. Some man is going to stand up and make sense of the church being ushered out in your deluded mind. And you'll believe him rather than what we're preaching today. There will be people saved, but it'll be the Jews and it'll be those who've never heard the gospel 
Why do I say that? Because the church age ends. And we're in the church age, but it ends the moment Jesus splits the eastern sky and comes for his bride. I plead with you to be in that number, to be ready when he comes. If you believe Jesus is the son of God, if you believe that he lived a sinless life, if you believe he died a sinner's death, if you believe he, he arose from the third, on the third day under his own power, if you believe he's with the father right now making intercession for us, but he's coming back, you can be saved. The hard part is to believe If you believe, why not receive him and let him give you joy? Let him fundamentally change your life. He'll expand your view of ministry. You'll see things differently. And when you examine his word, you'll find that you'll want to execute it along the way.